I mean, I don't know the name. You know, do you know the band? Mm. I keep playing it here. Um, it's The Doors. Oh. I love The Doors. Yeah. I feel like The Doors and Clearance and a few other just really great. I, I don't know if Americana is the right word. Clearance maybe is a little more Americana. But lived in the shadow of like the Stones and the Beatles. Yeah. But were just fantastic bands. Yeah. Like Riders on the Storm. Oh my gosh. What a great movie. Yeah. I mean, a great song. Also, I'm going to tell you about why this song is so important to me. Obviously, okay. I picked it because this is our last podcast of the season. Yeah. But um, we should set a we should set a month. We're going to start again before we close today. I think September. Okay, great. I think that's good. I would say August, but I'll be scatterbrained still. That's how I feel. We'll be starting. Yeah. Stuff, but September's great. Um. So look for us the first Monday in September. How's okay. that? Yeah. Unless that's what's the other Labor Day weekend. Oh yeah. We can still do Labor Day weekend. Well, but sometimes Labor Day is fully in August, so. That's yeah, true. we'll we'll figure it out. Um, so this is relevant because one of the main things I want to talk to you today is about that list from Rolling Stone. But um, yes. the conclusion of like the last episode of Lost, uh huh. Which, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I was thinking about the Friends reunion. Yeah, I about, haven't watched it yet, but I plan on it. Um, and I was thinking about shows that aren't just love but shape culture in the world. Yeah. And I think Lost was one of those. Yeah, I think so too. And so, I mean, people had scathing reviews of After It's Over, which is fine. That's a different thing. It's a little Game of Thrones-esque in that, like, it kind of ended and immediately it was like, okay, we're done with that as a culture. Well, you know what's funny? Um, We just watched, I I love that my kids are getting older now because I can watch movies that I loved. Yeah. And we just watched The Truman Show Mm. because surprisingly it's only rated PG. And um, I was reminded, actually, that movie's still very powerful. Yes. Um, the score is really good, too. But anyways, um, <laughs> there's like the scene at the end where um, he walks out the door and then they pull the live feed uh-huh. and it goes to <laughs> white noise. Mm-hmm. And then like everybody just changes the channel. And like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. It's one and done. Just and people like, are over it right away. Yeah. But anyways, lost. Yeah. Um, like, you know how they would preview the last episode? Uh-huh. Like they would have promos on TV when we still watch commercials. Yes. They, this was the song they used and I got the, like, it hit me at such a deep level. Yeah. Um, and it was part of the song, but, um, you just knew it was coming down. It was like, oh my gosh, still get the, the emotionals thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think that is also a crazy thing. Like scoring something. Yeah. Like a show or a movie can be so so powerful and also it's like um i i don't imagine you were a big like one tree hill fan but do you know the show i know of it okay so part of the show like part of its success was that it was its um scoring was its scoring yeah the music on it you can really get me on good scoring yeah you can take me places emotionally that you can't otherwise yeah Yes, yes. But I'm like prone. I'm especially like I listen to movie soundtracks and that's my thing, that wheelhouse. I think that's so interesting. Well, but I guess in that moment, because I know you are, would also say you're like not a lyrics right, person. Not a lyrics. So it's really happening sort of behind a scene. So the lyrics in the song don't quite matter as I much. I wonder if it's um, like I feel I'm not repressed thinking at all. Right. Right. So like words and meaning of words are not hard for me to process in real time. But emotions are. 
mm-hmm. and I wonder if the music helps me get to my emotions more quickly and be present to the scene. Sure. Yeah. I think that's interesting to think about because, well, I am thinking repressed, but I feel like the words are such an important song or such an important part of a song for helping me like feel it. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know then. Maybe my theory's not good. Well, I don't think either of us have any data or anything (laughs) like that. So anyways, yeah, that's just... I also know, though, like, I'm an auditory person. Like, I do the ASMR stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, that really affect Like, kids in a room, Mm -hmm. like, making loud noises is really hard for me. Mm -hmm. So not only am I, like, taking the world in auditorily as a preference, but I'm also, like, that's the way I'm wooed and the way I'm, like, put off. Right. So whatever I have, I'm really sensitive to that. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's a good thing to know about oneself is how they yeah i'm very visual Hmm. yeah it's like pretty difficult for me to get us to get something new if i can't like see it in some way i yeah because it's weird the ways we learn because i would also say on some things i have to be very kinesthetic about it yeah like i have to embody it before i can do it and then sometimes like cars when i'm working on cars if um, it's not exactly what I'm working with, like if they're not in the same model, mm-hmm. like I can't do it. But like to say visually, I can also really, it helps me. If it's like the exact same thing, I can watch them do it, then I can do it. Right, yeah. So I don't know. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, I didn't get to, I had to step out yesterday when you were talking about your house and the plumbing or the gas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what happened? Yeah, so we had to get a new dryer. We have a gas dryer. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. line that comes so that you have a gas hookup coming out of the wall. Yeah. Okay? We so, do. We have a gas Oh, hookup. you do too. We just don't so have a So the dryer. line, there's a line that goes from your dryer to the wall. Mm-hmm. That usually comes with your dryer. Uh-huh. Um, and I had, there's a gas shutoff at each of your gas appliances, okay? Uh-huh. So you can do something with Ours them. is shut off right now. We have an electric dryer, so. Oh, okay. There you go. So anyways, I am... Um, I got the line off of the dryer, but then I needed to get it off the wall because what happened is the new dryer didn't fit the old, the new line didn't fit the new dryer. Okay. Okay. Or the old line didn't fit the new dryer. So I had to also take it off the wall. And when I went to turn that, first it turned the bolt nut, whatever you call it, the nut, mm-hmm. on the side of my side of the gas valve. Uh-huh. So it started turning. I'm like, oh, that's not good. So I went and got a second wrench, like a, a vice grip to clamp it. Mm-hmm. And also I, it was cool enough to the floor that... It would stop it from turning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll get it off. So um, that kind of worked, but then I turned it and it turned the whole thing. So it was turning the bolt on the other side. Mm. I didn't know this, but that's what happened. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden I hear a psh, and then I can smell the gas. Like behind the wall? You yeah, heard so it? it's in the attic. So I run out, I'm like, like, tell Lindsay to get the kids out of the house. I run, grab a hammer, and I start hammering on what I think is the main valve. Mm-hmm. of the gas in the basement but then I realized oh I had new pipes put in oh. this is for the old system oh. then I ran outside and I used my water shut off thing it's that big T thing uh-huh. to shut off what I think are the the main ends for the exterior lower because we have third floor gas and first floor gas oh okay and it ends up I actually successfully turned them off when the fire department got there oh good they checked it but we I told Lindsay to call 911 because I wasn't sure right and gas is the one thing you can't mess with yeah well because you can't see it and yeah did you know this I, I probably knew this, but I'd forgotten. 
They add the smell to gas because gas is odorless. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's such a peculiar smell, too. <laughs> yes. It feels like... I mean, it smells like you would expect gas, I guess, because yeah. we're conditioned. But it's like also kind of smells in the neighborhood of gasoline. So yeah. like they mimic that thing for the brain, I think. Uh-huh. Yes. And that's also a thing that probably, until you said it, I don't know that I would yeah, have. Yeah, like, it's just, like, yeah. oh, yeah, it but, triggered a thing you knew. But that's really smart, I think, because it yeah. is like so dangerous because you can't right. see it at all. Yeah. Well, okay. So you got it turned off. Yep. And yeah. And it, then did what? What would happen with your dryer eventually? Um, I had to call the plumber the next day because okay. so they shut off. The fire department also shut off the valve coming in from the main gas into the like under my ground to my house mm-hmm. in the alley. Mm-hmm. And they said they asked me if they could, which I'm like, yeah, safety first. Yeah. But um, so I had the plumber out the next day. And it was the same people who put in new gas lines. And they actually did not charge me. And this is what I thought. Because, you know, like, this is my analogy. When you, if you've ever done electrical work, you have, like, light boxes mm-hmm. that you attach to studs. Uh-huh. So it was like a metal plate where the bolts would connect on each side for the gas line to put the gas line through. Uh-huh. That was just freestanding in the air. Oh, wow. So it should have been fixed to something. So they cut a hole in my drywall and fixed it to the stud. Okay. And so it wasn't my fault. Okay. I'm surprised it took you that long to say that. What? That it wasn't your fault. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big emotions in that story, right? Yeah. So the that it wasn't my fault, believe it or not, wasn't the most important one for me as a three. So that's growth. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a crazy story. Yeah, so. I'm glad everybody's safe. Everybody's safe. And the house is safe. The house is safe. Yeah, at this point, it's all resolved, huh? They, they test the air and everything, yeah. Is the dryer set up? Yeah, and that was, I think, more the... I really like the plumber. Truex Plumbing, if anybody wants. That's not our sponsor today, but maybe it should have been. Yeah. Um, they not only did not charge me, but he, like, hooked up the dryer for me and everything. Got me a, a line and did it all. Wow. I like them. Yeah, they've been good to us. Okay, that's good to know. I don't know, like, are they the cheapest? I don't know, but I would use them again and again. Yeah. So, Truex Plumbing. This is um not... Neither here nor there. Uh-huh. But if you had to guesstimate how much it would take um, to renovate a bathroom, like not move anything. Not move anything. Not move anything, but just like maybe a new... New sink, new kind of facelift, the whole thing. Yeah. New tile, new maybe bathroom tile. Yeah. New toilet. Yeah. I mean, are you doing the work yourself? I don't think I know how to do any of those things. So um, no, materials. Not. So there's no wood involved if you're keeping your frame, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I bet you could do it for. I'm trying to think if I haven't priced any tile in a long time. I mean, because you're like your vanity. I'm, I'm probably and your not going to do this anytime like, soon. This is just a. Yeah, we did put a new toilet for like two hundred and fifty. We bought one we like three hundred maybe. I don't remember mm-hmm. a vanity. Get five hundred. Um. I, the, there's a big question with the tub. That would be expensive if you did that. That's what I... I feel like bathtubs are really expensive, well, right? And there's a lot of different options you could go with there. Okay. You, like, could frame in, like, just to have, like, a drop shower kind of thing. Uh-huh. Where you don't have any physical thing, but you tile the whole thing with a drain, and you have a shower head. You know, there's... Right, yeah. I don't know what tile is. I would bet you could do it for between two to five. Thousand? Yeah. Depending on how intensive you wanted to do it. And there may be, like, people listening. And, like, what I... Right, who would... Laugh. Have professionals? You don't know what you're talking about. 
Well, two to five is a pretty big window. Um, yeah. So, well, and there might be like things that I could do. Like, yeah. I don't feel I'm not going to create like a shower. Well, you know whatever. what you could do, you could start doing is you could buy a vanity and Supplies. a toilet here and there. And like, just, just like store, store them. them. Yep. Like you go to AJ's Bargain Barn over on 84, kind of um, in East Waco. Uh-huh. They have really great appliances for discount. Okay. And you can just kind of pick things out, get some lights too. AJ's, also not our sponsor. Yeah. Not what, are, what are they called then? It may not be actually be called AJ's Bargain Barn anymore. Okay. It's I'll I'll find it out. It'll be a sponsor next season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exploding in AJ's Bargain Barn will be sponsors next year. Okay, great. I love it. Okay, hey, uh, before we do some other things, yeah. you listen to the podcast. I did. And um, you and I had some good chuckles. You wanted to come after me a little bit with some <laughs> things I said. I don't want to come. I don't want to come after you. I want to say this. You know how we're kind of like, how are people interested in us just talking or whatever? Yeah. I was listening to you and Bree. Props to Bree. She did a great job. Yeah. And I was interested. Yeah. Like, and you know how we have people be like, I was like yelling at the radio or, or yeah. you know, whatever. It's like there were, I was full on like participating in the conversation. Sure. But there were things that were frustrating. Number one, I have talked to you about Olivia Rodrigo approximately 1,500 times. Like <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that? Well, this is not the same thing. That's pretty bad. L- Lily loves Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, she does? I had no idea. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And also the week before, I had like uh, specifically mentioned Olivia Rodrigo in like streaming church. I had talked about Olivia Rodrigo and the album Sour, which is what Brie brought up on the podcast. Okay. Um, well, now that I may, I'm usually distracted doing things, so I'm not going to get myself for that one. During the, but during streaming. Not having heard you bring it up on the podcast is a. Yeah, we is. certainly talked about driver's license. Okay. And, ooh, we're missing a phone call. Okay. Um, I, um,. I'm trying to think of the other things. I I felt like you were throwing shade okay. at me when you told <laughs> Bree that she's a much better preparer or okay. whatever you said to her. Thing. Now, here's what I mean about that. Okay. I, I discerned this when you had made a comment before. Okay. I think you have an incredible memory. Uh-huh. I think you store data in your head and your heart in a r- really great way. Mm-hmm. But you don't write stuff down. I don't write stuff down, but sometimes that's because... I've talked to you about Olivia Rodrigo 1,500 times, <laughs> and you didn't listen to any of it. And so what's the point of writing something down? <laughs> I'm just saying, Brie, like, you know, she had the she had pages from Nadia Boltz's Weber's book on hand. Okay, she, okay. She, she did had, some real prep work. Yeah. Okay, I, I see. Really, so let, read that less to slam at you. Let's also say I also complimented you before the show and said, yes. you are a really great impromptu yeah. person. I shoot and that is a talent. Thank you. But can I can I come after you a little bit? Of course. Bit? This is much less here. But you Yeah. And sometimes Toph uh-huh. and staff meeting are always like done with your turn and like, oh wait, no, I have one more thing. Uh, I'm sorry. I do. Yeah, that's true. And it's because you don't We all do that sometimes. I except don't do that. you because you have a sheet of paper. And I'm keep a running list all the time. Now I'm gonna here's the thing that I feel like you have not yet grown to understand about me, Josh. I'm the pettiest person in the world. In the entire world. And so now every time in staff meeting that uh-huh. you're like, I forgot a thing. I am going to bring it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I deserve it. <laughs> Kathleen is like, she has grown very tired with me, I think. You know what I was thinking about with what? you? What? Um, 
and there, I have no commentary for this. I was thinking when I was mowing my lawn Saturday, Friday, whenever I did this, I'm like, if I knew Taylor how I know her now, uh huh, on these terms, I would think she was an eight. Yeah. I'm definitely not, but... Yeah, no, I don't think... But, like, your energy with me, you, I think you're so comfortable just bringing the things... Yeah. ...that I, you give me a lot of eight self. Well, I will say, there was also a moment, it's so strange, in the podcast where you were like... You said something about not getting mad, like, in arguments. Me? Yeah. That but, I don't? Yeah. Well, last week, huh. you were saying something about... You were like, I don't get very mad... I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, I, I believe you, but whatever it was. I'm but I was like, I feel like you do get mad, but you move through it so fast. Uh-huh. Well, well, I probably don't move through it at all, right? Isn't that the thing? I repress it. I guess, yeah. But it's I like, Yeah, and then some really damaging things happen inside of me when I fight with my that person in my head a thousand times after the fact. Oh. Like resentment grows. Well, yeah, that's and what... I, and then I project what they were meaning... Yeah, that's what, because sometimes I feel like after a podcast where, you know, that was like particularly um, heated or whatever. I mean, we both moved through it and it's fine, Mm -hmm. but it's like sometimes it seemed like you were really mad. And then afterwards I'm like, hey, is every, you know, just like, is everything okay? Or are we cool or whatever? And you're always like, truly like, yeah, no, I have no feelings. (laughs) And, but it's like. Sometimes it feels like you were mad. Do you know what I mean? I think what I've discovered about myself is if I feel like the person that I'm in the conflict with, mm-hmm. like if we're okay, yeah, then I don't really care about the content. Mm. But if I don't feel like the relationship's okay, even if the content okay. wasn't that strong, I can't let it go. Interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, man, but that's very, but also I guess that's very, that's part of being in the heart triad, right? Yeah, and so like a way I think it's really damaging to me is like I'll like get mad at somebody and work up the courage and I'm like inside ready to have a fight, which takes me a lot to get there. Right. And then if their first move is one of generosity, (laughs) it totally disarms me. I'm like, well, I'm just going to. Just going to live in this, like, harmony for now then. <laughs> like, we'll do that later. I'm sure it'll come back up. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to ruin the You're pleasantry. Like, Everything's good right now. Yeah. Why would I say something? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. That feels very relatable to me also. Yeah. It's hard. And I do a lot of also that, like, sometimes I'll, well, it happens less now, but when I was younger, like, I would go to someone and be like, I'm mad about this thing you did to me. And they would be like, I had no clue. Like, that's not what my intention was. Like, the way you interpreted it is not what I meant to say. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, oh, I've been walking around so mad for days or whatever. And this person had no clue. That's why I think it's been important to me. I think we've talked about this and how I took it from Carrie Fisher. But sort of, like, thinking, like, trying... To find every way that what someone said to me was like, um, was not critique or attack. That it was like at least neutral and maybe had nothing to do with me at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I've gotten a little better at that. Uh-huh. But I don't think it's because I've grown as much as I just have stopped caring what other people think as much. Well, but that is healthy. I think however it happens is, yeah, yeah that's, I think that's part of it too. 
But we've also noticed that, like, from people in church that critique staff, we all wear the critiques differently. Yeah. And there's not really a consistent rhyme or reason why. No. Like, some of them will just, like, water off a duck's back for yeah. some of us. And it's like, we others take it really hard, and then vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes one of us is like, it's really affecting us. And we have wondered if it has to do with our relational proximity to the person. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it, Which too. is the less we know them, the harder it is to take the critique. Yeah. Which is I, interesting. I do think relational proximity is... Uh, part of sort of an easy generosity. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's like we can do, I can access like a practiced generosity with people I know less. Like, you know, kind of like I've decided this is important, so I'm going to employ this. But like the more you know a person, the easier it is to kind of just like fall into a generosity of spirit when it comes to like listening kindly. I think too this is getting a little bit down the rabbit trail but Uh with regard to critique I have learned the the more I can take my ego out of something which Mm. is to say in my case most often the more I can work through worst outcomes in my fear ahead of time Mm -hmm. the more wholeheartedly I'm able to receive something and not be affected in a bad way and actually grow from it yeah like so for case for example, case in point, uh, when we did the process for discerning LGBTQ, uh-huh. I had to kind of go through my head and say, who's leaving? Who's going to stay under the, all the different outcomes uh-huh. and kind of live into each of those and do my grief work and like believe it. And that's what allowed me then to be healthy in the process. And I was I, I genuinely didn't get mad at anybody for anything. I don't feel like. Yeah. Through the thing. And then when they left, I was able to really feel like a bless you. I bless you as you leave kind of thing. Yeah. But I wouldn't have felt that way if I couldn't do that. I would say I felt that way about 99% of people. I think, and lately it's come, lately somehow the process, I think. Well, you know what's weird? It was two years and we missed it on the 19th, 11 days ago. Two years? Yeah. That is insane. It feels like yesterday. Well, I was just talking to Carrie Fisher this morning Mm -hmm. and we're all coming out of hibernating and I finally, probably other people have gotten there. She helped me get there, but like. We're all starting to see the years missing mm-hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. Like a, a vacuum in our lives just happened. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also I think, you know, there's, I think there's some reality that's like, um, I was talking to somebody about the work me and Jamie were doing before we were having the, conger- the conversation mm-hmm. in like the fall of 2018. Which is just wild because that was like yesterday. I know. <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah, so because that work feels still feels so present to me. It's about like um, membership, not membership, but like um, sort of belonging and like owning a spot at UBC and how we get people connected and then we had the conversation and then you went on sabbatical, which I think always feels like when any of us are on sabbatical, there's kind of a, yeah. a hole, you know? <clears throat> and, um, and then we had one semester really before the pandemic started. And so it's like, I think we are still as a congregation kind of processing all of that. Um, yeah. and just starting to process like the pandemic part of that. So, um, but I think, I really think like the fall of 2019 was kind of like, let's find a rhythm. Like, I don't know that we did much processing of like 
people who left and people who stayed or people who came mm -hmm. in the fall of 2019. Um, I actually, I don't, I can leave it vague and they don't listen to the podcast. Anyways. I met with somebody who left um, Friday for a drink. Oh. And w was the first time we had met. And that wasn't out of like, I'm avoiding you. I think in part it was, we did the pandem pandemic. And right. That. Yeah. But it was um, like, there was slowly, there was this like, oh yeah, we haven't talked since that happened. Yeah. And then there was some pretty good, honest relational conversation that happened. And it, maybe that was possible to help because neither one of us, I felt any kind of animosity towards each other. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I did realize, okay, there's probably some work here before the pandemic that didn't get a chance to get done either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Taylor. Yeah. Can I move us along and focus us? Yes, That was can. a really great conversation, though. Yeah, I, yes. Too. It was good to think about, yes. There were, like, two or three things I wanted to go after that were developing there, and then we didn't, and now I can't remember what they were. Um, but one of the big things I did this week was I watched the Friends reunion. You did? Mm-hmm. I... We, the place we go on vacation is not like um, internet an, a media mecca, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. Well, but. it's still there. Yes, exactly. Um, and actually, I don't want to talk much about that. Maybe okay. we can when you see it next fall. We'll talk about it. But okay. um, it got me thinking about, because they do this one a bit of montage in the middle about like how it impacted people around the wow. globe. Yeah. And... Um, this spurned all kinds of thoughts in for me, like, what are the shows that define times, right? Yeah. So immediately, I, in my head, I, like, jotted down Seinfeld, Lost, Breaking Bad, The Office. And those were all, obviously, from my time, like, when I've been paying attention to TV. Yeah. Um, I think those are all pretty defensible ones. But I did end up Googling, and I sent you a list of the best 100 sitcoms of all time. Yeah, it is a trash list. Okay, so before I did that, I also put a tweet together. Ooh. And it was the com the baton of comedy. Okay. So I feel like there's always been one show that kind of defines the moment in terms of comedy. Yeah. This is my list, starting with 51. 1951? I yeah. I Love Lucy, 51 to 57. Okay. Andy Griffith Show, 60 to 68. Okay. Mary Tyler Moore Show from 70 to 77. Okay. So these are overlap now. MASH from 72 to 83. Love MASH. Cheers from 82 to 93. Okay. Also here I have backslash Cosby show, 84 to 92, because yeah. Cosby show lived with them. But those shows both define America. Yes. Um, and then F Seinfeld, 89 to 98, Friends, 94 to 04, mm -hmm. The Office, 05 to 14. Okay. So obviously there's no dramas in there, because that's a different list. No, yeah. But um, so then I, I sent you this list, and I want to start my commentary. I feel pretty good about all of that. Because all, all of, of that, that's all of good, those yeah. shows that I picked were in the top twenty-three because of the list. Well, except for Friends, which we'll talk about. But The oh. Office was twenty-three. All the rest of them were in there. Most of them were in the top ten. <laughs> Cosby Show was like fifteen. Cheers was two. Mash was I think six. Mary Tyler Moore was seven. Andy Griffith was like eleven. I Love Lucy was four. I think. Okay. Um, but Friends was thirty-eight. Um. Which I'm willing to be humble and say I haven't seen a lot of TV and there's 37 shows that were better than Friends. But then I like looked at the list and I have seen a lot of those shows and I'm like, oh, hell no. Okay. There's no way that there were these 37 shows were better than Friends. The weird thing about the list is there are, yeah, there's shows like Friends uh -huh. that it's like, yeah, there are 37 shows that are better than Friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, these are not them. Yeah. You've not chosen the 37 shows yeah, better than I Friends. Agree. 
And so that is really weird. And I tried, as I was doing the list, I was trying to say, you know what, I don't feel strongly about the show, but it's because I didn't really watch it. So I would grant those. I think the reason I got upset with it is because Insecure is a show on HBO. Uh-huh. And it was 94th. And I think Insecure is one of the best TV shows of all time. Really? Yes. Okay. What's the premise? Um, it is sort of like um, Friends-esque. Okay. In that it's like, a, well, it's mostly about um, Issa Rae. I think her name, her last name in the show is not Rae, but um, it's like kind of about her, but also about like a group of friends living in LA uh-huh. and in their like, Mid twenties to early thirties. So it's like West Coast friends. Kind of. It is also a, an a mostly black cast. Okay. Um, Do you think though that shows need time to grow? Maybe, but Insecure is going on its like fourth or fifth and final season. Yeah. And so, um, it's HBO. Also, it's like. Very high quality. Well, the other thing I would say, though, is we are in a different time in so many ways in which becoming prominent is difficult. Is Yes, that's true. And when I say many different ways, um, the way we access TV now is so much different. Yeah. Like Friends had Thursday night on NBC. I know. Which was like so many I've talked people I've talked to about Friends talked about how it was a ritual to gather in their dorm to watch the show. Yeah. Or if you were in a dorm. But like Thursday night TV, you had to commit. There was no TiVo. Right. There was no streaming services. And you got a different kind of commitment from people for that reason. I know. Then you the other know. thing is, is there just was not as many choices. Um, that is true. Can I tell you a funny thing that is happening? Yeah. I'm watching this show right now. It's from ABC Family or Freeform or whatever it's called. And it's like a teenage drama-y thing. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so the ads keep popping up on my Facebook. And I sometimes click on the comments. It's like a mystery. So mm-hmm. sometimes I like to see if somebody has a theory or something like that. But mostly they don't because mostly the other people watching it are teenagers who are so dumb. <laughs> and so the things, the things they keep writing are like first I saw someone say like why are there only four episodes and someone commented and was like they've only released four like the season isn't over but also they keep writing like why is there only one a week (laughs) like why do we only get to watch one of the show's episodes (laughs) per week and it's like they don't know they've they've never experienced tv in the like watch it in real time yes they're used to like netflix dropping a whole season of something or whatever sad little puppies and it is the funny they are just saying the funniest things and full-on being like this is a reasonable question and i just think it's hysterical but yes so that is to further your point that like it did used to be different um well, yeah, so I think trying to, but you know what? Okay, so I'm just going to do a lightning round of things that surprised me about the list. Okay, great. Like, okay, in terms of cultural impact, uh-huh. Schitt's Creek was 100. Right. I might say that that's the show after The Office that held the comedy baton, if it's about cultural impact. Um, I think you have to factor in Parks and Rec, but... Well, two things. Parks and Rec started while The Office was still on. Uh-huh. And so a lot of it at the same time. I actually have Parks and Rec on my list. I could not believe 
could not believe that, that they had the Office 23 and Parks and Rec 9. Yeah, oh, I know. Come on. Parks and Rec owes its existence to the office. That's true, but I do think it moved on to be a different thing. It was not better than the office. Mm, not even close. I think I prefer Parks and Rec to the office. I'm going to do a Twitter poll today. I love the office. I love the office. I think what Parks and Rec eventually became is more culturally important than the office. Really? Um, uh-huh. Like Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope, I think I'll is give a, you. is a more important Okay. She's like a more important character I than anybody else. I can see like her feminism too how important that show is. Yeah. But like as far as form like form culturally formative I do think maybe The Office had, or culturally, like, impactful. Uh I do think The Office maybe had a bigger impact as far as, like, people telling jokes. You know what I mean? And was it, I'm trying to think what shows were doing, obviously the British version of the same show, but, like, the, what do you call that, the docu-comedy or whatever? Yeah. Were they the first? I think so. Because, I mean, I remember when I would, I didn't watch the show in real time at first. I'd watch over people's shoulders or, you know, catch clips. Yeah. And see people being interviewed. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And there was no live studio audience. That was like the transition period. Yeah. Um, well, and I do think it's like Parks and Rec at first, they are like, also, it's sort of like docudrama. Well, and I'll be honest, the first well, season one, like six, six episodes, it's terrible. Um. Yeah, it's not as interesting, but I also hate the first season of The Office. Yeah, that's true. It's not good either. But it's like, but also some of the funniest things come from the first season of The Office, like the Jello mold and, yeah. um, but, I mean, like uh, bat basketball day or whatever it was. Was that season one? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, anyways, I was. I thought, no way. But I'll I'll take your. Now, if if we were doing like a character, comedy characters list, I could see Leslie Nope ahead of Michael Scott. Yeah. Oh man, it's hard. It's hard. I do think twenty three and nine. That's like a big gap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if they had them at like ten and nine or whatever, then I think you can make some arguments for like the you know whatever. But twenty three and nine does feel like a very large gap between The Office and Parks and Rec. Um, okay. Well, I will, was pleased to say that Community was 24, right behind The Office. Yeah. And that's great for me, because those are my two favorite half-hour sitcoms, so that they were together in the list. You're very effort. into Community right now. I think it's going to live the time for you me. You do? Yeah, because one of my big criteria is their holiday episodes are amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, their Halloween episodes, I think, are the best I've ever seen. Hey, was Parenthood on this list? Not for a half-hour sitcom. It's a one-hour drama. Oh, it's these are all half-hour sitcoms? Yeah. I mean, I didn't check everyone for a half-hour, but I think so. Okay, okay. But it's a it's sitcoms. Schitt's okay. Creek at 100 is like... That's wrong. Well, when was this written? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It has to be recent, though, because there was some really recent... Oh, May 4th, 2021. Okay, that's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Like, Schitt's Creek at 100? Yeah, with all of its Emmys, like, the first ever to sweep best and supporting actors and show and director and, like, come on. Dairy Girls, have you ever seen it? No. Josh, it is laugh out loud funny. It's at 98? And a lot of the, yes. Okay. And a lot of the, it's about, um, 
a group of girls, the Dairy Girls, from Dairy, which is in Northern Ireland, and it's set in the 90s when, like, all the stuff is going on there. Okay. And it is hysterical. And they are Catholic. They go to Catholic school, like, I mean, as most... What platform is it on? um, Netflix. Okay. It's hysterical. I'll check it out. It is so, so funny. Yes, you definitely should. Okay. Another observation. Okay. Coming at 97 was Bluey. The only reason I have that is because the Sandballs, when I interviewed them on their thing. (laughs) Bluey? Yeah. They said that um, it's a show for adults and kids. Oh. So from um, Palmer all the way up to Bryce. Loved it. Um, Can I tell you quickly a story that happened yesterday? Uh Uh-huh. Kathleen was serving in the kids' rooms, um, and she served with. Uh, Alyssa Pittman. Oh, this happened to me yesterday. Um, and but but before they were um, serving, uh, she was in there with Ellis, who is te- like moved into the bloom room. But before everybody came, she was in there with Ellis. Was in there with Alyssa, okay. and um, <laughs> they were talking about his birthday that's coming up. Uh-huh. And Alyssa was like, maybe Miss Kathleen can come to your birthday. He was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's going to be cake. And she was like, great. Uh, Kathleen was like, great. I love cake. What flavor do you want your cake to be? And he said, mm, strawberry marmalade. <laughs> and Alyssa was like, excuse me, what? And she was like, where did you hear that? And he was like, um, Bluey. So it's an impactful show, apparently, for many members of our congregation. Um, that's funny. Yes. So, sorry, I just got distracted. Elliot Cry sent me a text. Just woke up, but yeah, I can do. Oh, so, great. So we'll call him in a minute. Okay, great. Um, get ready for some basketball talk. Okay, friends. here's another observation I have. Okay. Um, so I, I sometimes think shows get overrated as in the same vein that I think friends got underrated. Okay. I was surprised to see Veep back at 44. And I watched two seasons of Veep. I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Julia Louis Dreyfus is like a darling of smart comedy. And yeah. Gets like awards no matter what. Yeah. Um, but like, and I, I kind of view Veep like I view Thirty Rock, which did get a higher ranking. It's like the smart kind of a political elusive humor. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised actually to see it down to forty four. I feel like. Yeah. Hoity toity people always put Veep way up, but higher than it should be. So yeah. there was like. I've never watched Veep, but in part because it's it's good. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. I was surprised to see The Big Bang Theory at ninety, because I feel like people freaking love The Big. I don't you, love you know it. What I just realized what you know what is is New Girl even on that list? I don't know, and I was just thinking about um, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Um, but like Big Bang Theory. Like, How I Met Your Mother, I've never seen any of those recent, like, mainstream shows. I haven't seen New Girl. You never saw How I Met Your Mother? No. Not one episode. It's, like, one of Toast's favorite shows. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, my gosh. Um, But also, I think um, The Good Place is on here, right? Yeah. Did you watch The Good Place? Yeah. Okay. I thought The Good Place, though, more than it was funny, was, like, cerebrally interesting. Yes. Okay. Ooh, Modern Family at 84. Yeah. I don't watch Modern Family, but I feel like people love it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, I have another one I want to ask you about. Okay. Have you ever seen Malcolm in the Middle? 
You know, I was growing up uh, when it was on TV, but it was like when I was sort of in middle school and high school busy, like doing things. Like, well, this is the only reason. So it came out at 28 and Brian Cranston was in it, which is interesting because of what he turned out to be. But doesn't it have Frankie Munoz or whatever? Yeah, Moon Munez. I always, so I just assumed it was like a Disney kid show type thing. Um, I don't think it is a Disney. I think it's like a sort of a family. But show. it's gotten a ton of respect in different circles as really? a show. Yeah. So that was the one I was going to ask you about. And then I have a recommendation for people. Will and Grace at eighty one. That feels disrespectful. Um, I didn't really watch it. It's really funny, I think. Uh, Sean Hayes, I like because he hosts that podcast. So I like. Oh, yeah. Smartless. Okay. Uh, Catastrophe at 61. I don't. There were a number of these. I didn't know what they That's were. That's a recommendation for me. Catastrophe? Yeah. What is it about? Uh, it's about this couple that has a one night stand and then she gets pregnant and they decide to stick it together and then they kind of fall in love. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Um, and then we need to keep going because we've been on this for a while. Number one was The Simpsons. I didn't know how oh, I felt about that. New Girl. I feel bad. I don't like cartoons that are well, for adults. I, I like its longevity is so impressive. Again, cultural impact. If we're right. talking cultural Huge. impact, absolutely. Huge. But I'm like, but it's it's cartoons, you know. I know. I. I mean, I've edited some of this opinion because I do like Big Mouth. Um, I think Big Mouth is very funny. But like I said, adult cartoons for adults, I tend to not love. I was mad at how that Family Guy was even on the list. Yeah. Um, and South Park. Yeah, I just don't and like Bojack that. Jack Horseman. That's and also I saw a TikTok recently that was a girl being like, "If your boyfriend likes these adult cartoons, here's what I think of him," and um, all of them, it was like, um, he's a misogynist. He's mm. a misogynist. He's a misogynist. Except for Bojack Horseman. And they were like, she was like, he's cool. Oh. So I don't know. Well, I didn't know that was Will Arnett until I started listening to that podcast. So now I'm a little more interested in that because I like him so much. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, here's the only other observation I had. I, of all the old-timey shows that were in the top ten, and rightfully so, I was like, oh, yeah. Uh -huh. There one, at number five was one called All in the Family. I mean, I think I've heard of it, but I wouldn't know anything about it. I think All in the Family was like an 80s thing. Well, they, they finished really high, so. Yeah. So, listeners, if you watched All in the Family, tell us why we should love it. Yeah, tell us okay. why. Okay. I, um, on the heels of this, want to transition to a different discussion now. Okay. Because we're 43 minutes in and we need to call Elliot. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to leave the people anonymous because I didn't check with them and it's not fair. Okay. But, in, and we were having drinks too, so there's that. Okay. Um, but we were talking about the Cosby show. Yes. And about whether or not we can appreciate that after the th the revelation. revelations. So here's the thing about this. So I could see how like continuing to prop it up in culture, like him appearing on TV somewhere yeah. would be triggering for people. Yes. But then I think, but you had an ensemble of actors whom that was also their life work. Yeah. And like, should they be penalized because they had proximity to uh, uh, somebody who was abusive? Yeah, so I think this is one of those things where I feel like um, the conversation about the Cosby show and how much it can be propped up in culture is, like, not my conversation to, like, be in the middle of. Because you're not African-American or because you're... Yes. Yeah. Okay. The first one. Um, that, like, you know... 
representation-wise, the Cosby family, he was a doctor. Uh-huh. Like that. Um, it was important. That was an important she was thing. She and... Right, yeah. And I... So, um, but also, you know, I've seen my white self represented on TV in a million ways yeah. as like a doctor or lawyer or whatever. And so I just don't, it feels to me like I don't get to sit in the middle of that conversation and say like, um, this is still good representation or bad representation because of who Bill Cosby, be- like who well, we, like, okay. not he became, but like we knew, we eventually realized he had always been or whatever. Follow-up question. Okay. And, and I'm not trying to get you. This is about me trying to think about intersectionality. Right. But the reason to take him off would be for survivors primarily, right? Mm-hmm. So is it then a conversation between survivors and the African-American community? And, like, how do you prioritize somebody's need? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's messy. Um, and I, I do think... That that is, yes, a conversation between survivors and the African-American community. But, um, I mean, we have to be honest about, like, white women and the way that they center themselves in, like, all conversations. But But, you could have survivors of all kinds of backgrounds. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But that's what I'm saying is, like, you can have survivors of all kinds of backgrounds, but at the end of the day... If we've got white women using a lot of their like power yeah. to sort of centralize themselves in that conversation and say like the thing I'm saying is more important than the thing that like oh, black okay. people are saying, then yeah. it's like that is problematic. I think so. It, I think it just is like so, it's messy. In terms of like being a good citizen, then yes, like obviously probably the real power is in the hands of networks and right. media conglomerates that can choose whether or not to make this accessible to people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, like. Can we just say, like, maybe the best thing is to let individuals decide whether or not they should be viewing it? Mm-hmm. And I suppose ultimately that's what it is. If people really want to watch it, they could go track down the DVDs. Yeah. If nobody's going to air it. I don't know where... Yeah, I don't know if it's streaming or anything right now. I don't think it is, but... Um, yeah. And I think... Oh, man. It's just tricky. It's a hard one. You know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, one more thing before we call Elliot. Okay. There is... I want to give a plug... Um, of course, I frequent Armchair Expert a lot, mm-hmm. and I should have her name, which I don't, and I can't look it up. But he had on a transgender professor of history mm. um, who, um, Dr. Susan, someone to you or another. Okay. Um, I don't know if Dr. Susan is transgender herself. Maybe. Or. It was very helpful. Okay. And, you know, Dax, I think, took a posture of what probably is similar to me, mm-hmm. all the way down to the Olympics. And asking those questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of us because they had a lot of the same conversation down to citing Caster, the runner that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Like all the same things. Wow. So congrats. I'm job. being self-congratulatory right now. To us, yeah. yeah. We did it. Well, But I think it was helpful. We're trying, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, so what do you remember what podcast, what the like name of the episode was? or? Well, let me go get my phone to call Elliot. And okay. then I'll hit pause and I'll come back and tell you the name. Okay. Okay, we're back. It's Dr. Susan Stryker. We're back. Oh, Dr. Like Susan Stryker. Two episodes ago, three episode three thirty. So look it up if yeah. you care. Okay, let's give Elliot a call. Okay. Call Elliot Cry.
I bet Kathy doesn't know. It's fine. It's funny. I think it's funny. Well, 10 minutes. That window closed. <laughs> He's got better things to do now. Probably working through a He's bowl just... of cereal. Hello? Elliot Cry, Josh Carney here, UBC. Hello. Hi, Elliot. Hello. Elliot, you're live on the uh, podcast. Okay. Elliot, you know why we're calling you? I'm assuming it's about the NBA playoffs. And, yeah. yeah. And guess what, Elliot? This is the last episode of the season, so thanks for coming back. Wow. Yeah. So, Elliot, yeah, let's um, let's just kind of take a look here at where uh, we are. Um, who do you like so far in the playoffs? Well, I mean, the Bucks have been pretty good. Elliot, um, that's what I wanted to hear, my friend. <laughs> Elliot, who would you say has been the single most dominant team in the playoffs so far? Probably the Bucks, man. Yep, I think you're right about Way that. Way to ask a leading question. The truth is the truth, Taylor. I'm sorry to offend you. <laughs> so since we're talking Taylor, let's talk about this Clips-Mavs series, which might be the oh, most intriguing my series. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to prevail? Elliot. Although I kind of want to say the Mavs because it's fun to watch that team win. It I is. I think the Clippers. Okay, Elliot, you're saying some true things, but... I ultimately disagree with your assessment, but I know why you've made it. I feel like it is the smart assessment I mean, to make. I think it's awesome that the Mavs won those first two games, but yeah. I think the Clippers are, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they won the two games in Dallas, which was. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting about the series is everybody's winning on the road. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I know. Well, okay, here's the I thing. I think it's just. No, you go, Elliot. Um, different. Uh, it's just because these teams are so star power heavy. It's just whenever these players want to have great games, like whenever Luca or Kawhi want to go off for like a forty point triple double. I know, that's the hard thing, right? I feel like we have really been. The only thing I keep holding on to is that, like, I feel like the la- the game two and three, no, game three and four at Dallas is like. The team was playing pretty poorly and having just like we had like two off nights. And so I'm just hoping that we can come back and like have some on nights and where we turn it on. But the hard thing is like even when you turn it on, they have Kawhi Leonard. So what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Elliot, if you were building a team today and you had to start with either Doncic or Leonard, who would you take? If if it was. It's different. It's weird because like. If I could build a team and have a player for years, I would pick Luca. But if it's for one season, it's more of a conversation. Yeah. Because Luca is great, but Kawhi is also two-time Finals MVP. Yes, Elliot. Yes. But the but the things that Luca has been doing this playoffs, I might have to pick Luca. Elliot, now let's talk about the West in general. I and maybe it's just because I'm not a believer. Maybe it's because the Lakers can just seem to turn it on or off when they want to. But it, it seems to me that the Jazz and the Suns represent maybe the weakest one-two seed punch in the West we've had in a while. And it's not to take away anything from them. It's just I think there's a lot of parity sitting in the West right now. And um, you know Denver is a team who you know are they two, it's tied right now two-two right? Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a team that I think could turn it on. So who's who do you got favored coming out of the West? And um, who who do you think is is uh, the best team um, when everybody's healthy? Well, I like Denver. Um, before Jamal Murray went down, I th- I thought they were going to come out of the West. 
But now that because Jamal Murray got hurt at the end of the year, I just don't. They might get out of the first round, but I can't see them doing any much more than that without their second best player. Yeah. Um, and I get what you're saying about the one two seeds being pretty weak, because the Jazz aren't exactly that same. Like the Jazz are a great team, and I think they could make the finals. But most of the time, when there's a one seed, especially in the West, you think that team is like, like maybe has like the best chances to win the finals, which isn't the case this year. Yeah. Um, but I really like the Suns though because of Chris Paul. I think if they get out of the first round and, be- and beat the Lakers, they have a good shot to go because I think that's their biggest competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel like I don't know, man? Because. I want to say the Clippers have a good shot, but I don't think they're going to be all that. So I think the Suns or the Clippers might be my two favorites. Okay. Now, um, here, I mean, the Suns or the Lakers, my bad. I would say the overall probably favorite is still the Nets. Um, yeah. But, yeah, in the East. Do you, well, I think overall, I think they can beat anybody in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think anybody can beat them? And if so, who? I think in the East, the 76ers and the Nets are the two best teams. Yeah. Well, well, and uh, the Bucks. The okay. Bucks. All right. <laughs> I didn't think the Bucks, but then they swept the Heat. You know, here's one thing: if if we, sweeping the Heat's really impressive. Yeah. Well, that's a different story. Taylor has a theory about the bubble and the Heat that I think is interesting. Yeah. Because um, they just, you know, I looked at their roster; they had everybody back more or less, and they just didn't perform this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the question, though. Um, I think that the the Bucks might be able to do it because of their defense. I think if um, Drew Holiday can give Kyrie hell, I think yeah, he, I think he was a huge addition. And Giannis very can, underrated addition this offseason. Yeah, Giannis can handle Leonard. Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, Durant. I mean, so I I, th- I like our chances. Mm-hmm. But it kind of depends which Bucks team shows up too. I feel like the East yeah. is like really interesting this year. Yeah, I mean, to me, the Bucks. I think the East, although the West has um, more teams than just, like, three good teams, I think the winner of the East is probably winning the finals this year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, and, like, it's, it's, it's so weird because I, I, the Bucks and 76ers are great teams. Yeah. But just the Nets, it's so hard when you see James Harden, Kyrie, and KD. And I know they're not unstoppable, but if all those guys are playing their best, who's beating them? Yeah, I will say, too, Harden has probably impressed me the most in his acceptance of his role and I think has really mm-hmm. thrived. Um, you know, he's led the league in assists this year. His numbers are down in terms of scoring, but he seems to have rolled with that. Well, but that yeah. that's also the role he played at OKC, I feel like. Yeah, that's true. So he knows how to do that, I think. Yeah, I mean, the the just the Nets' biggest fall is defense. They don't play a lot of defense, so... Yeah. That's the way a team could beat them just because no matter how good your defense is like the Bucks or a team like that, you're not going to be able to contain Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie. But if you can contain one of them and play great offense, then you can win yeah. a game or mm-hmm. or a series. So. Now, I asked you this in the parking lot a couple of weeks ago, but who's your runaway for the MVP now that we're into the playoffs? Um, everybody has been wanting to say Steph Curry. No. But it's Jokic. <laughs> yeah. Jokic has been the runaway since, yeah. like, February. Yeah. He's he's having great numbers, and so is Steph Curry, but you can't win an MVP if your team's not in the playoffs. Well, I think that loss to Memphis really hurt him. Yeah. But even if like even if they would have won, I still would have said Jokic. I think 
the race all this year was between Embiid and Jokic, and then Embiid went down with an injury. Right. And Jokic, his his um, second best player got hurt, and they still continued to win because he was putting up these crazy thirty point games and triple doubles. So yeah, I think it's him. Who who are you gonna give the rookie of the year to? I still giving it to Lamelo just because the Hornets had such a big jump this year. Yeah, I think mm. even right. though he was hurt a lot of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And Anthony Edwards yeah. was great, but Anthony Edwards went to the went to the Timberwolves and they were still like the worst team in the league. Lamelo okay. went to the Hornets. Now the Hornets did get another player, Gordon Hayward, but still he did make them a lot better and they were in the playing game. So. Well, Elliot, let's transition to your own life. So now um, you sent me a text that you woke up at like 11.50. Is that uh, yes. your summer routine or is that just the first day off? I mean, it's I just I sleep in in the summer. Sometimes it's like 9.30 and sometimes it's just around noon. Wow, that's wild, so, Elliot. What time do you go to bed? normal, Elliot. <laughs> I mean, it's anything from about 12 to 1... Maybe later. So you're you're knocking off twelve hours of sleep a night, kind of. Sometimes, but Tw- in school, it's twelve hours I, on, twelve I, hours off. I like that. Well, I have to make up for all the lost sleep I got in school. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Here's a fun fact: Tof always tells me, Elliot. He um he reminds me that actually you cannot make up lost sleep. Once it is gone, it is gone forever. Elliot, now, um, are, did you, uh, are you going steady with anybody? You seen anyone? <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm not. Okay, well, keep your options open, buddy. Gosh, Big future getting very you. personal You're going to be a freshman. You going to the Midway High? Yes. Now, will you try out for basketball there? Yes, I will. That's a, an intense deal, isn't it? There's like a million people that go to that school? Yes, it's a pretty big school. Well, Elliot, if um, if you ever get to a point where you want to move on from basketball, have you thought about taking up preaching? Uh, not really, Ma- not yet. <laughs> Maybe the work of the Lord. If you want well, any tips, I haven't thought about it yet, but you never know. Now, Elliot, what would an average day be like? Will you hang out with uh, Hazel and Oliver a little bit? I mean, I don't go out of my way to hang out with them, but okay. they live in the same house as me, so. Like it's like, hey, I'll, I'll, uh, Hazel, let's play some Uno or something like that. You won't do that. I mean, not really, unless it's forced upon by the family to play a game. Okay. okay. What okay. would you like to do with your leisure time in the summer? Um, play basketball, play video games. Okay. And then like go over to friends' houses, hang out. Okay. You know, and then um, watching I was, movies, stuff like that. I was over at the Karens the other day. They have a pool. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. I would, um, I would, I would really get myself in good with them if I were you, and just kind of wander <laughs> over there. Yeah, yeah, we swim there a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Elliot, thanks for being our NBA correspondent. We sure appreciate you talking to us. Yes. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Wow, what a smart kid. What just a guy. A Truly. The best. He just knows all of it. Here's a question for you. Okay. If you could only talk to one cry for the rest of your life, which no. one would you pick? No. Uh, too, too hard. hard. Yeah. Too hard. Okay. I'll let you off the hook because okay. I don't answer either. Thank you. Also, I am the like minister to families in our church. So. That's true. Okay, Taylor. Um, you know what we need to do? 
Uh, what? Wait for this phone call to pass because I don't. I want know. That in the wow, we're so popular today. Yeah, we are really popular. Uh, the other thing we need to do, by the way, it's a day off for us according to the handbook, so we're up here working anyways. Yeah, so that's how much we love you. Working double see. time for you guys. Yeah. Um, no, what we need to do now is stop and get a word from our sponsor. <gasps> Taylor. Yes. Well, um, are you ever? Well, this is relevant to you. I was okay. say, are you ever driving down the road and you get a flat tire? Yes. Yeah, uh, that happened to me on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other week I was um, actually my Trevor had borrowed the trailer and was hauling some stuff and got a flat tire. Too too much sod in the back there. The pressure blew the tire. That's no- so that's... I needed a really specific small tire for my trailer. Oh, really? And I shopped all over the place. Uh-huh. And you know who came through for me? Who? The Tire House on Franklin Avenue. 1728 Franklin Avenue. Have you ever seen the movie The Family Guy with Nicolas Cage? No, I don't think I have. He's a tire salesman in that movie. Oh, and so cool. if you want that kind of charming boutique tire experience, uh-huh. um, I suggest that what you do is that you go to the tire house on Franklin Avenue. Yes. Give them a call. I took, I, I just went in there and I described what I needed. They knew exactly what I needed. They they ordered it. It was there like the next day. Mm-hmm. Great place. They're right just down the bridge here on um, 18th and Franklin. So oh, if you're wow, coming yeah. to church from our house, you go right by it every day. It's at 254-753-0119. That's 254-753-0119. The Tire House. The Tire House. And we're back. We are back. What a fun-filled day we've had so far. Yeah, it's All right, been, Taylor, been a great day. You're bringing us home with the topic today. Yeah, I just thought that we could spend some time today doubly for two reasons um because this is our last episode this season yeah and also because yesterday we had church in this building with people Mm -hmm. for the first time since march of 2020 it was wild yes i told jamie i felt like i was having a fever dream that we were at church but he was like no it's really happening crazy yeah did you like it so i wanted yeah i wanted to take some time reflecting on that and also maybe just like our jobs over the course of the past year. Okay. Um, I, I did. I will tell you that um, it was kind of intense. I just, I don't know that I can say this enough to people, but we are very low on children's volunteers. And so it was kind of intense making sure that we had enough people in every room. But we did. And so once that was all said and done... Um, like the kids were all, it was just so beautiful. It was like so fun to see them. It seems like the learning and formation that got done in every classroom, like went very smoothly. Craig was so funny when he was, did I tell you what he said about the baby room? No. He said that it was like a contemplative prayer service cause they all were just like so quiet, but it's cause like, so it's like, um, you know, newborns to two-year-olds at okay. this point and they were all born within either born or like gained consciousness within the last like year yeah and so they truly he said they were just looking around like what is what is this i've never been to i've never experienced anything like this before um interesting yeah we were talking earlier about this year disappearing and where mm-hmm. it went um, but especially for babies, this is the only world they've ever known. And yeah. not really cognitively developed, probably won't remember it, but still. Right. Uh, I had an interesting moment where Jess Smith, Smith. yesterday mm-hmm. showed me um, 
Raleigh. Raleigh. Raleigh or Raleigh? Uh, Raleigh. It's like our, it's oh, like Raleigh. the city. Yeah. Raleigh's tag. Uh huh. And was a little teary eyed and said, "It exists. It's real. It's here." Uh huh. And yeah. um, like, there's the power of incarnation right there. Uh huh. Yeah. First time. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd gone through and added babies to our to our list. Yeah. Um. So how many kids did you have checked in yesterday? Do you know? Uh yes, it was. I can't remember the exact number, but it was like thirty, close to thirty. Yeah. So. Yeah, not bad. First day, first day back. First day back, Memorial Day. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah, summer as well, though. Like, we always have lower numbers in the summer because mm-hmm. people are on vacation. Or I think a lot of our people also are, like, Baylor people who could go yeah. anytime in the summer. No, places. I think even in my head, the last week of May, the first week of June is always historically one of the lower yeah. types. And there's other ones, like, obviously spring break weeks. Yeah. Um, that week of transition between summer one and summer two is always low. Yeah. And then the week before school starts, again, in August, it's usually low, too. Yeah. People take their chances to kind of do last things. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, it was meaningful to be in the space. A lot of things are easier. Um, uh, in terms like, of, logistically? Yes, preparing. Yeah. But probably harder for you, right? More work? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so weird to think about because I... You know, because right now it's like it is there's so much joy in it. Like I just was like so happy doing all of it. But it was like really stressful as far as like, well, and like I said, it's like we didn't have any meltdowns. Everybody transitioned well into rooms. Everybody was just stunned. And every yeah, <laughs> and every time I People, went and like everything. looked in there, yeah. it was like like truly I went into the bloom room at one point and I think it did get kind of crazy. But there was like seven or eight, like two to four year olds. Yeah. And Paul Karen had his guitar and was just like playing Peace Like a River. And they were all like laying on the floor laughing hysterically. And it just was like, what a moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just full of life and joy. And so, but I did like, I think it, I think I'm, well, we never haven't talked about this, but I think I'm still going to be doing like the welcome and giving a question during th- moments like that. Yeah. But like it didn't happen yesterday because of, a, for a million reasons, you know? Yeah. So it is busy. It's a busy morning, but I loved it. What about you? It was easier than like outdoor stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like the first time I preached a sermon online mm-hmm. was from John. It was obviously, I think it was, what was did we start during Lent last year? Yeah. Yeah, we did. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And so I bet if you go back and look at that first sermon, I look pretty frigid. Mm. And I, it's because I literally feel like, what am I doing? How who am I, like what emotions are authentic? Yes. What do I? And now I had a little bit of the same thing yesterday. Okay. Where I was like, how do I do this? Yeah. Uh, how do I preach a sermon in, in front, front of, of a live people? And of course, I did it outside, but. I think one thing for me is just the acoustics of the building is a part of a service that matters and it creates that rapport in song and in other things. Even just to be able to hear people laugh again was interesting. And to hear people sing was kind of crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have strong emotional responses to moments like that. Right. Um, I think probably in three or four months I'll be in my groove and be like, oh yeah, we're here. Yeah. And then it'll catch up to me. 
I have felt, yes, um, I do have strong emotional responses to things, but, you know, I think there's something about it being professional, like my job or whatever, that has stopped me from having an extremely strong emotional response. And I think, I also think there will be a moment, I don't know, in a couple weeks, couple months, sometime when I will be like, and also I think it's like, it still feels so tenuous to me. Yeah. Like it feels like at any moment we can have a spike and. I'm feeling really optimistic about stuff. Sorry, I keep yawning. I did not sleep well last night. I didn't either. But um, I feel like the numbers are going to keep plunging. I feel like the vaccine, though we're not at the rates we want to be, is turning out to be really effective. Yeah. And I think making a pretty big difference. Yeah. And I suspect that this is terrible, but that part of what happened is the virus did its damage on the most vulnerable part of the population. Mm -hmm. And so even if it is thriving still, it won't be nearly visible yeah. just because either people will be asymptomatic or yeah. they'll have had it already or something. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I really would like for the vaccine numbers to get up to like herd immunity yeah. status, but I just, I, I think that's the thing that's in the back of my mind. Like if we don't, I don't know. I just haven't heard anybody say anything about like, I've just heard people say, like, we're never going to reach herd immunity. Yeah. And then it's like, and then so what happens at that point? Like, what's the hope or what do we, you know what I mean? Like, how do we move forward from that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I part of what I think I've learned from the CDC and other institutions is that they have to give us the safest recommendations mm -hmm. because of the way our legal system works and liability and stuff like that. Yeah. And obviously not like people are going to sue the CDC, but like they have to lead a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so when there are things, Stephen, now that feel a little bit ominous, I don't think they affect me the same way then. As they did. Originally. Okay. Interesting. I think it's me saying, okay, but that's like worst case scenario or that's like safest possible scenario. Yeah. So. And I don't know. I think there is interesting data on southern states versus northern states. Really? Yeah. Um, like, you know, one of the things that this would also be interesting to talk about in a different episode, but um, is that uh, Pantsuit Politics had a really great podcast about. Somebody sent it to us. Kathy? I don't Yeah, I think it maybe it was. See, how could you choose? Yeah. But among the cries? Yeah. Yeah, you can't. But anyhow, um, one of the things I was interesting is they talk about how Florida outperformed New York in so many metrics. Really? And, you know, obviously New York is a Democratic and Florida is a, well, could go either way, but they have a Republican governor right now. Well, but they're so, I was going to say a crazy thing, but it's true. They're so old. Yeah. That it's like not their, because their vac vaccine rate is very high. Okay. But I think some of it is the age. Um, well, one of the thoughts, too, is that southern states can be outside more. And yeah. can, like, physically spread out more. For, and like, longer periods of time. some stuff about vitamin D being helpful in fighting mm, the virus. Interesting. So, there's also that, too. We're in Texas. Yeah. And it is, like, I mean, I, I know we both talk about, like, in July and August, it's, like, this, it's like miserable. Uh -huh. But it doesn't actually stop people from, like, going outside. No. Like, we still go outside. Well, everybody has a pool. Right, yeah. So, um... Yeah. 
Okay, I, so you're feeling optimistic about like I, yeah, I don't fear a shutting down again. Staying in the building. Unless one of these variants gets to the states well, and it's just wild, you know. Right, yeah. But which is essentially acting like a new virus altogether. Right now, but right now the data about the vaccines like uh, ability against the variants is pretty yeah, good. Promising. I think um I think something that will make me feel better is when we've got like finalization and um, on like kids vaccines mm. um, and kids can start um, taking them. Yeah. Um, Cause I know so far they've been the, like, it just hasn't really affected them very, very much, uh-huh. which is not to say not at all, obviously. Um, and so that has been, you know, I think that's been um, helpful. But I think I will. I will start to feel a sense of like concrete. Like okay, we can sort of move forward uh, when yeah, when kids are sort of getting the vaccine and able to um, have some sort of immunity from it. You know, mm. more so than they have now. I um I think one thing that's interesting because this is again about church and doing church. We got an email this morning from a. Well, I can say her name, Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. who's currently chair of the leadership team. But as she said in the email, this is more than just me, a parishioner wearing that hat. Mm-hmm. But about possibly carving a space into the liturgy for people just to share, like a, in a testimony form, good or bad, mm-hmm. joy or sorrow, what the last year and a half has done to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to jump the gun because we haven't talked about the staff. But right. um, I think that. Yeah, like this is going to slowly be retrospectively, we're going to feel what the last year did to us. Yeah. And I think an important part of the church going forward is to give space for that conversation to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I want to talk about like sort of two more topics around this. Okay. Which is, I would like to do some reflecting on like jobs and what like it has felt like to do your job over the past year uh-huh. and also um and also some talking about the future and like what you potentially see and stuff like that so which where where would you like to go first jobs over the last year yeah okay um do you want to go first or do you want me to uh you go first um okay I think that um, it has been such an interesting year. Um, You know, Jamie said something yesterday that he has told us before. Um, He said it in worship yesterday about how, like, his job had essentially become a guy singing songs about God on Facebook Live. And it just was like, that was not (laughs) neither the job he signed up for or a job he would have signed up for. Um, and I, I think the thing that became immediately relevant to me, like almost immediately, like March or April of 2020 was that like, it is people that is like the reason I do this job, you know, like, Uh um, and I think last spring and even into the fall, you know, we were doing a lot of things. And all, then eventually the feedback we received is like, we're over Zoomed. We can't do anything else on Zoom. Yeah. And also we had, you know, just had felt like the um, feedback from leadership team 
and from our own selves was kind of like and we are not free to like move forward into like being together physically and um sorry listener i'm getting a call which is linked to, to my computer okay keep going um and so it's just i think that has been one of the most interesting revelations of the past year that like i think we all knew that on some level that it was like our jobs were so very tied to people and like um sort of an embodied experience with other people but i think over the course of the past year it just became so apparent how true that was you know yeah Um, i um I probably went the opposite way, but not. Uh, the conclusion is that I don't disagree with you ideologically. I just think that the pandemic exposed and helped me learn some things about myself regarding my threeness. Okay. That was helpful for me to go through. Okay. Um, which was, I of course think the church is about the people, and right. maybe what I learned this year is like there are, and I, I'm mean, gonna say I don't mean to pick on them, but I am picking on them. Okay. There are models of church that are like on TV. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't understand why people would invest in that, having done what we did for a year. Right. Um, like, the, the reason to do this is to be formed with a group of people in a local context. Mm-hmm. We all have access to this global gospel, yes. Mm-hmm. But to make sense of that, I think, A, ethics can only be done among people, and B, it can only be done among people with the same cultural norms and other things. So right. to have that, that proximity to each other was so important. Mm-hmm. So that's true. I think for me personally... Um, so much of what I was doing as a pastor was trying to not just serve people, but to please people. Mm. And I just couldn't for so much of the year. Right. And so I think like I had a conversation with a friend and in some ways the pandemic did more for me than a sabbatical did. Really? And part of it was that it was longer period of time. Sure. But it wasn't that like I had less work because, you know, we created the podcast and I did quite a bit of writing, and I filled the time. But I think it was the not giving of myself to other people in a way that, I don't know what I would say is unhelpful, but like threes run on near endless supplies of and isn't from a healthy place all the time. Yeah. So a break from that pastorally was actually helpful for me. Okay, yeah. Um, which I know seems counter to the, the message I just gave, um, about people but I think what it means is I need to learn to re-engage by giving a more authentic version of myself if that means a more selective version of myself mm-hmm. so that's what I learned about my job this year um, I love that I think that's like really healthy yeah um, the other thing somebody just asked me straight up what do you miss most about pastoring in the pandemic mm-hmm. and I I really I answered it then, so I guess I realized it, but I felt it yesterday. Is I one of my favorite parts about church is people coming here for the first time. Uh-huh. I love orienting people. Like if they have phases of acclimation in the church, that's my favorite one. Uh-huh. Is I love meeting with new people and hearing their story. It's harder for me to do long term friendships. Yeah. But so I've missed that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and we had visitors yesterday. Yep. So was that life-giving for you? It was. Good. That I is... think it's this is ego, but it's a little bit of 
value work that somebody heard about us and decided that this was a place to come visit. That feels good to me. Yeah. Well, yes, I think that it's like uh, we are, I think for like we are definitely part of what we're trying to do is like I think we're all aware that UBC is kind of like a specific thing. Uh-huh. And all everybody on staff, I think, is like feels that it is important to like steward that thing well. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. like in some ways we are creating it and in some ways we are it is the people of the church and we are trying to sort of protect it and like steward it well. Uh And so I think when somebody hears about UBC and thinks that seems attractive, I would like to go there. I do think I feel very like, Oh, um, maybe these are some of our people, you know what I mean? Who are coming here to like find this place and space that is meaningful for them, you know, also. And I do think that that, feels really good yeah your other thing was about the future of the church yeah um i just wanted to hear some i mean and i'll talk some too about um what you see moving forward so maybe some about what we've heard people are wanting and needing and and how you see ubc moving forward through some of these you know like carrie was said to you like it's like yeah. all of us well there's several streams at play that again because we've had a hole in our life now for a year and a half are gonna have to get dealt with uh-huh. one we've talked about which is the move towards a post-christendom culture yeah that i think was fast forwarded the second is um sort of socio-politically we had the george floyd thing all happen within in this last year yeah um the the riot at the capitol uh-huh. And so I think that um, there's going to be a shift in the church's relationship with the state that's going to have an effect on our jobs in the future. Mm. That people are going to um, either leave church altogether or um, find new churches. Uh-huh. Um, and then the third thing is just the, the grief work that we've already talked about that needs to be done now. Yeah. Um, and so uh, responding to all of those things faithfully. Uh-huh. Is going to be, I think, our work for the next couple of months at least. Yeah. And then as we indicated too, like I think UBC itself had some work to do in terms of our response to the decision made in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then kind of still finding our identity after that and then being um, kind of pushed out of our space. Yeah. So putting all those streams together into meaningful new things and leading us forward. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, the follow-up question I would have is like, what do you think that, I mean, like, what, what do you think that looks like in our context with our people? Well, I think confession is a powerful part of the church's tool. Um, I think that's like, I, I mentioned that email from Carrie, but like yesterday, there weren't a ton of people here. I think there was probably a hundred and some people here. Mm-hmm. And it, in some sense, I think our space makes it awkward because it is a comedy for so much more. Mm-hmm. I think the way to overcome that awkwardness, and I don't think people feel that to the same extent threes are, so maybe nobody else was even dealing with that, but is to recognize... I did not I did not feel that about our space yesterday. Well, even so, I think one of the right ways to, is to create intimacy with what is there uh-huh. and say um, it's just a lot of naming stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think that giving space for people's grief and putting testimony back into the church is a piece of liturgy in one way or in an- another... And reconnecting people's sense. Um, I was thinking about it theologically this morning. 
it is Trinity, which is interesting because Trinity was yesterday, Trinity Sunday. Yeah. Which is perichoresis, is that, you know, dance around is that Greek term that means the mutual indwelling of God and the life of God. Right. And I think that's what we're called into. And the way we do that in each other's lives is by sharing our stories and recognizing that the pieces of our story are lived out in each other's lives. Yeah. And so that's what testimony can do. And I think that's what why testimony is needed right now. Yeah. And so that's just for me the way grief and healing happens. Is yeah. Through through honesty. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the preaching moment lends itself. So you probably noticed, if you think about it, not that you thought about it, but like when our first time back on Easter, I had a litany about what had happened. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I at the end briefly did something similar of like, this is what's happened this last year and this is what you're feeling. Yeah. I think naming that in the preaching moment too is probably important. Yeah. And then I thought about in the fall probably doing a small group like what did like just like a grief group about what what did i lose yeah um and giving people a space to be together just to process that yeah um and then i also think it's important that we start to recover joy together yeah and lead people in that yeah um and that is always a harder task here yeah because of the way we're our ethos is but it can be done and needs to be done yeah and I wonder if we've found a moment where people are um, looking for that yeah. more. Like our our people are looking for that more than had been true in the past, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned earlier briefly the work me and Jamie had been doing about like belonging at UBC. Uh-huh. And in some ways, I think these moments feel sort of full circle in that like mm-hmm. I think we're sort of we have somehow like returned to that like sense of like how will people belong here and what will be um what will be the elements of like what makes us belong together and to each other and um so i'm excited to start like thinking about that again and doing some of that again and you know what's interesting about that too and this can't be intentional because we had so many unpredictable things between the fall of 2018 and what will be the fall of 2021 this fall yeah but that's the lectionary cycle, too, and a kind of an answer rhythm in the church. That's so crazy. I hadn't thought about that. Um, we'll be on the same texts and in those same thought spaces. Mm-hmm. That is... That feels serendipitous, at least. Mm-hmm. So how about you, the future? Um, yeah. Um, I think... Like I said, it's a lot of it is what I'm thinking about is like, I think that is work. It's in UBC has been such an interesting place to work at um, because of its age, but also it's like level of institution kind of like I feel uh-huh. like it became like a whole church pretty quickly. And then also there are elements of it that like, like we just edited our bylaws. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they were such a mess. Whereas, like, I bet there are some churches who have had fully edited bylaws for over 100 years. Do you know what I mean? Um, And so it is, um, I think this work of belonging is, especially as we've transitioned, which I feel like we've been saying this forever, out of being, like, a mostly college church and into, like, like right now a lot of our demographic is, like, a little older like grad students people in their 20s and 30s 
and he like young families um and it is man i was talking the other day about how thankful i am for betsy bracken and mm. just like what she brings to us like as a congregation like her like her age and her wisdom and her experience and what she's like been through and what she shares so openly and honestly she's just so amazing but it's like we don't <laughs> like uh it's like mostly the like elders of our church are like gen xers do you know right. what i mean like and so that's such a strange context and i do think that it's like we have a we have a congregation we have a congregation full of people who are uh, because of like that like gen x millennial gen z vibe it's like a lot of skepticism yeah and um so i think learning to like reach out to that in a way that is authentic but also that encourages like like buy-in and also that says like this should affect your life and the way you live and especially the piece about like belonging and how to do that authentically i think um is important work that we'll all need to do um and i feel hopeful that there are a lot of people that are that will respond well to that that are looking for that right now um and so i'm excited for us to do that together as a congregation like carrie's email i thought was like such it was so kind and such a good like suggestion of like yeah i bet a lot of people are feeling this way um and how can we address it authentically so which is i think i said authentically 15 times in a row um but so i'm really looking forward to that i feel like we have yeah i'm just excited to be back together and to be doing that um intentionally like being together intentionally i'm trying to plan a lot of moments for people to be together like families and kids to be just to be together this summer and also i think i a thing i think i'm excited about is or looking to is um you know brie talked a little bit last week about you both were talking about um like knowledge of the church um and how like baptists and like evangelical christians i guess don't do a great job of like handing that to people which is a new development i i feel like i know so many men like um men and women my grandparents age who like in their sunday school classes they were learning like scripture and theology in the way that i learned it in like a seminary Mm. class or whatever yeah and that is not really what is happening anymore in um like that is not what was happening at the church i grew up at like my mom and dad they weren't necessarily learning those same things yeah and so um i think that moving forward it would be wise of us what theological literacy yeah it would be wise of us to like make that um a point of like um something we're doing intentionally is teaching people about scripture and about theology and i think also that's part of reconstruction Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like you're like oh so this is not how i should read the bible but you have to have a little bit of like 
oh, this is how I can read the Bible, yeah. you know? And so that is a thing I want to do um, moving forward. Obviously, right now, um, I mean, my, my main focus is kids. That's what I'm trying to do in our kids' classrooms. But also, um, Maddie, uh, I'm excited to work with Maddie this year. And she is focused on like, or she really likes the idea of working with families. So I also, you know, I would love to do some things with families, like talk to parents about how, um, like how to read scripture and how to talk to their kids about scripture and stuff like that. I think would be really cool. It's been, you know, I spent that first year doing a lot of um, administrative stuff or the first two years really doing a lot of administrative stuff with just like um, kids Sunday school time, you know, finding curriculum and getting volunteers, you know, worked in and yada, yada, yada. And then I was sort of moving into thinking about family stuff and we started the LGBTQ conversation, which took just like a lot of full time energy. And then as we said earlier, like then it was a pretty swift move into the pandemic. And so I didn't, um, working with families is a part of my job that I would love to focus, you know, spend some more time on. Hmm. I want to do a retreat. Wouldn't that be fun? Do a, re do a retreat. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I think it would be fun. It would be fun. I like yeah. retreats. Well, Taylor, we're at one hour, 33 minutes. Wow. 47 seconds. That's long. Yeah. But hey, it's been a fun season of podcasting. It's been really fun. Yeah. This is probably one of my favorite developments. This and yeah. with Roy. A fun part of the job. What did yeah. you say? This and Frisbee with Roy and his friends. I really oh, yeah. like that too. So. This, yeah, it's been a fun part of how I've done my job during the pandemic. Yeah. All right, friend. Well, uh, until the fall. Yes. See you later. Bye.